Hello and welcome to another edition of the Duct Tape Marketing Podcast. This is your host, John Jantz, and my guest today is Mike Michalowicz. He is the founder, president, CEO, and I think he also takes out uh, the trash uh, for Obsidian Launch, uh, author of The Toilet Paper Entrepreneur, and author of a new book we're going to talk about today called The Pumpkin Plan, a simple strategy to grow a remarkable business in any field. Welcome back, Mike. John, thanks for having me back. I really appreciate it. So is I accurate on that uh, one of your roles is to take out the trash at your organization? Oh, yeah, hauntingly accurate. That's basically yeah. all I do. Yeah, that's, that's every CEO with their salt should take out the trash. Um, <laughs> so the book obviously plays pretty heavily on a metaphor, um, and I, I know there's a little story behind you sort of stumbling on this. I wonder if we could start there. Yeah, so... Um I was I had met with my first ever business coach because my, my first business was struggling and uh, he told me after a few hours assessment he goes oh you know to fix you I only need to change 5% of the things here he goes that's true for every entrepreneur you only need to change 5% of the things and then he went on to tell me like a million different things it didn't seem like the 5% <laughs> and uh, one day the aha moment for me John I was at home reading the local town newspaper and there was a guy who had grown this colossal pumpkin, uh, you know, a pumpkin that weighed literally almost a ton, as much as a car. And as I'm reading it, the first line the, inter- the interviewer asked, they said, well, how do you do this? And he goes, I only do 5% of things different. And I was like, oh my gosh, here it is. And he went on to explain the few things he does different than, than people that grow ordinary pumpkins and how the pumpkin responds to explosive growth. And I discovered those same few differences, if not sure does it, the business responds to explosive growth. Yeah, and, and I've, uh, there are actually seven steps, right, in the book that, that are part of that plan or yep. strategy. Um, and I, I, I think I find myself re- reading um, particularly the first couple. And, you know, I think a lot of people, I think the metaphor is great. I think a lot of people accept those. I think there's a couple in the middle, uh, particularly, that, that I think are actually less intuitive and I, I think people struggle with. So um, I don't know if you want to go through. Let, let's go. Well, first off, you, you have to agree with my assessment or we can't go any farther. Um, <laughs> I agree with your assessment. Uh, okay, so so step one, plant promising seeds, and so so maybe just kind of riff on each of these just briefly. Yeah. So for the ordinary entrepreneur, I, I won't even discuss the pumpkin farmer, but the, the seed is, of course, the start of the business. Ordinary entrepreneurs go after trends often. You know, the hot thing ten years ago was real estate, uh, and people are jumping into it. The hot thing today is social media, and there's so many people going into it that don't know what they're doing. But it's the easy thing to get into. The extraordinary entrepreneur picks the perfect seed, and it's really a blend of three things. One, and we've all heard this, what are you passionate about? Meaning, what what keeps the blood flowing? And when you're going to bed at night, you may be physically exhausted, but you're mentally stimulated and excited that you're doing what you do. But you've got to couple that passion with customer demand. Do you have customers out there that repeatedly want what you have to offer? Where those two overlap, you start identifying the perfect seed. The last part, and this is where I see many entrepreneurs miss it, is scalability. And it's sort of the same page. What scalability means is when you are sleeping or on vacation or some other way disconnected from work in its entirety, can the business still sell what you have to offer, um, market for you with you away, land that customer, deliver the service or product, and have them give positive feedback? If the full cycle can be taken care of in your absence, you've achieved a scalable business, something that can grow. You know, hopefully, endless. 
that's yeah. a perfect piece. Yeah, and I, and I think that's the, you know, if, it, if you have any goal to sell that business, um, certainly that has to be in place. Um, step two, water, water, water. So now we're going to grow this stuff, huh? Yeah, yeah, you know, the, the ordinary entrepreneur, their watering is what I call mass watering. And that's what ordinary pumpkin farmers do, too. They have these big hoses that cover a field once a day. Consistent. But ordinary entrepreneur jumps into everything. They go... You know, they water. Uh, they go to the chamber of commerce. They they go online, social media. You know, they try to market everywhere. It's a mass watering. But the thing is, what they're trying to water prospects aren't getting enough of it. The right prospects aren't getting watered frequently enough, and the incorrect prospects are getting watered. You know, the weeds, the ones we don't want, are still getting watered. Extraordinary entrepreneurs uh, focus on their niche, the, the niche prospects are trying to serve. You know, where are your top clients hanging out? What's the category they're in? What industries are they in? Then, what are those spots very frequently? Always be at the industry meetings. Always be doing things in that category. And just keep pumping away that same spot. That frequent watering in one spot, your industry category, yields a lot more prospects and opportunities than trying to water kind of on a broad basis. Yeah, absolutely. Now, the... Uh, I think that those first two steps, I think while a lot of people give that advice, I think that's pretty common. It, it, it sometimes, I think yeah. the tough part about it is it, it's hard to just sit down one day and say, okay, I'm going to figure out that promising seed thing, um, and I'm going to figure out the one place I should be watering. Um, I think it, it tends to be more of an evolution uh, for a lot of people. You try one thing, you try the next thing, and then you sort of you discover maybe uh, by a lot of trial and error. But this this next step is one that um, I think people have some challenges with. So I've, I've locked down on that thing, and I'm, and I'm really, okay, I get it, water, water, water. But now you're going to tell me I've actually got to um, kill off some of the growth. And I, and I think that, that for a lot of people, it's like, wait, I'm, you know, I may be losing money on that, but at least, it's, at least I'm getting money on that. Talk to me about yeah, yeah. <laughs> number three. So. Yeah, I, what we need to do, and, and these were the, this is the turning point for my two prior companies, uh, is to pick your niche based upon your top clients. Once you start yielding some clients, we need to categorize the clients. Who are the best clients? And the best clients to find ones by ones that bring in the most revenue. Clearly, that they're showing that they like and appreciate you by spending money with you. So that's one clear indicator. But the second part is the cringe factor. When you pick up the phone, are you excited to be working with this customer, or do you get the heebie-jeebies because they're such a nuisance? Well, and there's a few other factors too, but those are the two most critical. And once you identify your top clients, we want to clone those top clients. An example I like to say is anyone, anyone listening to this podcast right now, John, if they took their number one client and duplicated them 10 times over or 100 or 1,000 clients, we are talking about a, an explosively successful business. So every company has to potentially have that one customer. We just now need to focus our attention on cloning them. Now, to clone them, what you need to do is you sort your list by top clients and weakest clients and you have to fire, you have to clear the space for those top clients. So the first step is actually getting rid of clients that don't generate enough revenue, give you, you know, the heebie-jeebies are outside of your core competency, and transition them out. Get them, give them away to competitors or something. Get them off your plate. Often these low-end clients spend the minority, very little money with you, but take a huge disproportionate amount of time and effort to support them. So by getting rid of them, you free up tons of time and you lose very little revenue surprise. Now you have this space to start duplicating your top clients. And you do duplicate them obviously using that watering process. 
you find out where your top clients are, birds of a feather flock together, so you go there where they hang out and you try to find people just like them. So the next step, weed like uh, a mad dog, seems to me like it, it, it's certainly very uh, very related to that process. That it, it just never really ends. You kind of have to stay out there in the field. Yeah, you know, the most common weed for entrepreneurs is labeled as opportunity. <laughs> and what I mean by that is an entrepreneur is moving along and they say, oh, here's a new shiny object. I could also be doing this, or I should try this, or here's easy money there. These are all weeds. They're weeds because they distract us from our core competencies. You know, a successful business has something that makes them distinct and delivers it in a distinct way, a distinct tone or a distinct way of doing it. When we pursue new quote-unquote opportunities, our back is now turned to our core competency and it may weaken, but best case, it just doesn't even strengthen. We're not focusing on it. It dilutes our time focusing on what we do best. So by pursuing all these new opportunities, we're actually weakening ourselves in the core competency, allowing our competition to pass us by. The discipline, yeah. No, no, go ahead, go for it. Well, I was going to say, the discipline I've found in all these wildly successful businesses has been a discipline of saying no. And I actually even did blog posts about this recently. The most successful businesses I've found will say no to opportunities about 10 times more than they say yes. And struggling entrepreneurs, I found, say yes to opportunities 10 times more than they say no. Yeah, we, we uh, do a quarterly strategic planning uh, session here that we take an entire day in our our primary goal is to identify three, you know, here are three priorities for the quarter, yeah. and, and we can't have any more than three, and, you know, it becomes sort of a wrestling match, but then once we commit to the three, uh, you know, we, we then use that as a filter and say, nope, can't do that, you know, because it's outside of our priority. Now, you know, we have projects that crop up, and we take on tasks that we shouldn't do, but we really do a pretty good job of saying, no, we said these are the three priorities, and so, you know, really does kind of help you say no, let's put it that way. Yeah, that, that discipline of saying no uh, translates into focus on what you said yes to originally. I mean, that's a, a wonderful example. Yeah, and I think, quite frankly, I think that um, certainly the entire middle part of your book really uh, focuses probably the word that, that ought to be used to describe it. I mean, I think that's what we're really talking about um, in, and, and headed towards this idea of of continued focus uh, to where we're on to step five. So you, you identify the stronger, faster growing pumpkins, and basically you're refocusing, you know, on on that to where you're cutting it all the way. Is it, are we to the step where you're all the way down to one pumpkin per vine? Right, right. You know, the, uh, one of the classic examples, and I'm sure you've heard this a million times, is the heart surgeon versus the general practitioner. The general practitioner can do everything. He understands how the heart works. He understands how skin is, he understands disease, understands everything. The problem is, because he's a general practitioner, he can never achieve mastery of the one category. And when a patient's having a heart attack, they're going to go to the heart surgeon. And she dominated that. She, that's all she studied. She's a heart surgeon. She understands every, every intimate element about it. The, the amazing thing is the heart surgeon can charge, on average, 10 times the number, the dollar rate, and make 10 times what the general practitioner makes. And, and the most embarrassing thing for a general practitioner is when you identify a person as having uh, a cardiac problem, you refer them to the, the heart surgeon, the specialist. And we're really moving to opportunity in, in business in being specialists, not in general. 
Now, uh, explain. So, so we get to this point where you know you're trying to grow the big pumpkin, right? So, um, is there danger in focusing all of your attention on the big pumpkin? Um, yeah. Because then yeah. that big pumpkin decides that it just isn't going to make it. Yeah. Right. No, there's, there's definitely danger, and this is where people get tripped up. They're like, Mike, if I if I go all in, because basically you're saying, Mike, go all in on a niche and be the world's best at it. Well, why does that niche fall apart? Well, there is one guarantee, uh, and I'll tell you about that in a second, but there is a possibility it won't work. Um, it's like anything else in life. And, and pumpkins themselves, when a, when a pumpkin farmer goes in and creates these pumpkins, they use this formula, and the formula typically results in a giant pumpkin, but sometimes bad weather comes, sometimes the pumpkin can even collapse under its own weight, believe it or not. Uh, sometimes it just doesn't take. But the pumpkin farmer knows that if he puts it all in and it doesn't work, he has next season to try again and try again. He knows the formula brings results, but the environment may not allow it. So he keeps going back to the formula, and at some point, the environment's going to yield the right thing to bear the best fruit, if you will. Well, entrepreneurs get this too. Successful, possibly successful entrepreneurs. They use the formula of a niche focus, but it doesn't always work. It may collapse. The industry may not be there. But the entrepreneur then just goes back at it next season. They say, I'm not going to now become a generalist. I'm going to say a specialist. I'm going to try it again from scratch. And they're going to try it next season. The, the one thing I want to say about guarantees, there's only one guarantee I found with company growing. It's true for entrepreneurship too. It's for the ordinary farmer. The ordinary farmer is guaranteed he will never grow a colossal pumpkin. It's impossible. He's all about plant more seeds, plant more seeds, water at a mass scale. It's all about just growing whatever you can, and that prohibits a mass colossal pumpkin from ever blossoming. Same as with entrepreneurship. Entrepreneurs that, that pursue the classic, you know, work harder, work harder, uh, be a generalist, work harder, are guaranteed never to have a class of success they can't. Conversely, people that pursue this pumpkin plan formula, if you will, to grow a class of business, while they aren't guaranteed colossal success, it is the only way to get there. It's got to keep trying at it over and over if it doesn't work the first time. Yeah, and I, I think sticking with our metaphor here, you know, the, the ordinary farmer sells their pumpkin by the pound, and it's you know sort of dictated by whatever the market is paying per pound. And, that, that colossal pumpkin that somebody just has to have, um, well, it's name your price, right? Yeah, yeah, and you know, the funny thing is, is there, even, in the, even in the pumpkin business, there's huge money in being the colossal pumpkin. I mean, you can win state fairs and stuff and maybe get $1,000, but the real money is actually in the subsequent seeds. If you have a winning pumpkin, you can pull a seed out. Some of these seeds literally sell up to like fifteen or $1,800 a seed. And I, I did the math. If you took a ounce of gold and an ounce of giant pumpkin seeds, the giant pumpkin seeds are worth about a hundred times more than gold. So I don't know where the metaphor is there, except for when you have something remarkable, the monetary gain becomes essentially colossal. Well, I'll carry your metaphor over for you a little bit. Is once you figure right. out how to do that in the pumpkins, you can enter the watermelon market, you can enter the squash market. Yeah. You can. I mean, you, I think once you get the formula down. Um, you, you can take it into industries and you, know, you, you blow the competition away. Yeah, yeah, totally true. So this last step, watch it grow. So is this is this uh, um, going to be where we just the, the fruits of our labor now we get to enjoy? Well, to some degree, watch it grow means stop stop doing what you were doing. 
and there, there's a there's a book out there that said what got you here won't necessarily get you there, and and that's the the saying I'm trying to get across. Once the pumpkin starts going, you have the formula in place, and this is the point where you really need, need to transition from working in the business, as, as Michael Gerber said, to working on the business. That you need to observe how it's growing and protect what's working, exploit it, build it, and whenever it's not working, you need to remove it. Uh, and actually, it's funny you said a quarterly plan that that is a magic number. What I suggest is every 90 days, as your pumpkin, your business, is now growing under on its own accord, is simply every 90 days evaluate what has been working. Whatever has been working, try to build on it. Try to keep that momentum going at an even greater level. But whatever hasn't been working, you need to reevaluate and shift. Maybe that's your new three goals for the year, uh, for the quarter. Fix it and adjust it so it is working. The, the problem I see with entrepreneurs is once they get some momentum, if something isn't working, in many cases, I've seen just to try to do more of that, try to do what's not working harder, and they actually retard the growth of the pump. Yeah, so this is the place where we need to talk about building systems and documenting what works. And, and you know, my favorite question uh, that I've been trying to, you know, because I'm, I'm guilty of many, uh, like many entrepreneurs, I, I, I get engaged in doing stuff because I actually kind of like it. But the problem is, you know, it's it's not very high payoff, you know, and, and so consequently it robs me of, of what I really want to do. And so I, I have this question uh, tacked up uh, um, above my computer. How can I get somebody else to do this? <laughs> and, <laughs> yeah. And, and so it's kind of like, wait a minute, I'm looking at my task list that I wrote down, my to-do list I wrote down today. You know, this, this should be done by this person. This should be done by somebody else. I need to find somebody to do this. Um, and it's really a pretty interesting exercise. Yeah, that, that, that's exactly it. That, that is the, the, the ultimate question because it brings about systemization. Yeah. And I'll tell you, if a guy such as yourself, a you know, high-end consultant, uh, an established, recognizable author can do it, well, shoot, you know, that's such a custom, sounds like such a custom category. If you can systemize things, anyone should be able to systemize things. Uh, and I believe anyone can. We just have to ask that that is the ultimate question. How do I get someone else to do this? Which means build systems so they can replicate the quality standards you have you're doing. That's yeah. exactly it. Well, Mike, we have run out of time. And great book, The Pumpkin Plan, a simple strategy. And I think that's uh, that's one thing I will say that you know a lot of books, particularly that have the word strategy in them, sometimes uh, go off in directions that aren't that actionable. And, and this really is a roadmap that's very actionable. So simple strategy to grow a remarkable business in any field. Mike Michalowicz, uh, you can certainly buy the book online uh, at all the places or, or in your local independent bookstore. But uh, do you have a you have a site uh, where you where you have more content just about uh, related to the yeah, book? You or can, work? Yeah, you can you can go to pumpkinplan.com. Uh, you can see the cover of the book there. You can get a free chapter download and, and some other resources there. Right. Well, Mike, always great to catch up with you. And I'm, I'm sure next, pleasure, time, next time I'm in New York City, hopefully we'll uh, bump into each other. Yeah, it's my time. My turn to buy dinner. Yeah, I like that idea. All right. <laughs> Take care, Mike. You too, Jeff. Bye-bye.